Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we reflect on your word and what and life, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Give us the comfort we need and open up our minds to what it means to be your witnesses. Lord, help us to receive from you what you have to give us. And Lord, help us to see what it means to be focused not on this life, but on eternal life. A life with you where there's no pain, no suffering, where, where the life that has been made possible not only for us, but by you. And gracious Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love, the mercy, the grace you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Easter living as witnesses. I'm not quite sure how you react if, when we say you're a witness. I'm not quite sure how you, what you think. I've had some people say to me, I'm a Christian but I'm not a witness. And I went, oh, what do you mean by that? And their, their thing was, they were hung up, oh, being a witness, I've got to know it all. I've got to understand everything in the Bible. I've got to have it all right. And I've got to be this nice, perfect person. Well, here's the deal. We are all witnesses. We are all witnesses of Jesus. The question is, what type of witnesses? As you probably are aware, there are some witnesses of people so call themselves Christians, and particularly in the media, and I don't think the media is the best judge of people, right? They usually take snippets out of people's lives, but sometimes in high-profile Christians haven't been the greatest witness of God's grace, love and mercy. They've been witness of something else. And so today we're looking at Easter living is witnesses. And we have this reading that we have from the Gospels, where Jesus is interacting with his disciples. And he says this, Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Keep in mind the Scriptures he's talking about is not the, the full Bible we have, but the Scriptures of the Old Testament. And Jesus then told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is actually quite a crucial thing for Jesus to do. Now, keep in mind what the context is. Jesus has already suffered and died. He's been on earth for 40 days after the resurrection. And he's now kind of debriefing the disciples, which we'll come to. But it's important to highlight this, is that his society at that time, in one respect, was a lot like our society. Success meant you were strong, you were out there, you were not defeated, you were number one, you had done things successfully. And yet he reminded them from the scriptures that God's version of success meant that he needed to suffer and die so forgiveness of sins could be part of our lives. And not only that, it was not just to be a single personal thing. It was supposed to be a thing for the whole world. And so I've got a question as we start to unpack this idea of being a witness. If I was to ask people who met you, or people as they met you, or people who knew you, what, would, what do they think you represent? If I was asking that question, what would be the answer? If the people who met you, from their relationship with you, what do they think you represent? We can often tell a lot by our relationships, the pers- people's actions, words, and how they relate to others. Or another question you, I might ask is this, if, particularly if you're a Christian, what are you telling them about God and Jesus? through your attitudes, your words and your actions. 
You know, if I think about my life, there's been some lovely Christians, I'll call it. People have been strong in the faith. They, they shared that God was a God of grace. There was one lady who was about 90 in one of my previous congregations and there was an issue going on and her comment says, oh, we don't get everything right. Let's just give some time and let's have some patience. And yeah, they may have stuffed up, but let's not be too critical of them which is a wonderful, graceful way to react. And this was in relation to some people complaining about we weren't maintaining all the traditions. But what about you as a Christian, if you're a Christian? What are you telling others about God and Jesus through your attitude, through your words and through your actions? Now keep in mind today's context, the the context of today's reading is Jesus has been on earth for 40 days after the resurrection. He's now debriefing um, his disciples before he goes back to heaven. He's now encouraging them um, with, with what's going on, what the core message of Christianity is, that he had to suffer and die so sins can be forgiven. But he's now also doing something else. He's saying to them, you are going to be my witness of these things. And he's also saying to us, we are his witness in the world that he is a God of forgiveness. And what I find interesting, particularly because he's going back to heaven, is the very different approach the disciples have on this occasion compared to what they had just after his crucifixion. If you remember around Easter, just after his crucifixion, for those who don't know, the story goes like this. Jesus had been crucified and the disciples went and hid themselves in a room and locked the doors petrified of what was going on, unsure of what was going to happen. What, they're not certain of their future. Well, now they've come to 40 days later, they've had some interactions with Jesus and they are sure of their future. Because if you picked up in that Gospel reading, what did they do? They worshipped God, they lived joyfully and they praised God even though Jesus had gone back to heaven. Because they had got a grasp of the message that the story hasn't finished and there is a future. The other thing that's interesting to observe in our um, reading today is this word witness that comes up. Many of us think of the word witness, I see something, I do something, but what's actually happened in the history of Christianity is that the word witness comes from this marturian, from the Greek word marturian, which the English English, um, people, historians have taken and used and put into place and used this word martyr. And you would have heard of Christian martyrs. And Christian martyrs are often referred to as those who have died for the faith. People who have suffered and died for the faith. And therefore, sometimes people limit it. Oh, I can't be a good Christian because I can't suffer and die for the faith. Well, I would encourage you to think differently about this idea of a Christian martyr. A Christian martyr is somebody who doesn't suffer and die for the faith, but rather it is somebody who lives as witnesses of the Christian faith with a focus on the heavenly consequences and not the earthly consequences. With a focus that they have a future because Jesus had suffered and died for them. And they're called to share this message of God's grace and love in the world. As we unpack and go a bit deeper into our reading today, one of the questions I want you to think about is, what or who are we, are we witnesses of? Because there's different versions of the way people have been witnessed as Christians. And I've encountered it in my life as a pastor. I've had some says, you just need to be strong and you need to put people in their place. And you need to say that this is sin and call sin out and tell them they're going to hell. 
Then you have others, you just say, oh, we just need to love everybody and let everyone do what they want to do and be nice and kind. Now, love is a key message. But what our passage today encourages us to focus on being a witness of something very, very specific for a very specific reason. And it starts with Jesus first engaging with the disciples and engaging them with the scriptures, just picking up the scriptures, which were the Old Testament as we know it. And he says this, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. In other words, he was highlighting that his suffering and death on the cross was actually something that was predicted, was actually told, God told the world that this was going to happen, except people didn't understand it. And he drew it out of the scriptures, the Old Testament. And he highlighted this is what God wants. And us being engaged with the scriptures are so important. But not only engage with the scriptures, not only engage with the Bible today, but the Bible through the mind and lens of Jesus. One of our challenges as Christians is to continually allow God to speak to us. But keep in mind, no matter whether we're reading the Old Testament or the New, we're reading about Jesus. The Old in particular is talking about the coming Messiah But it needs to be through that lens. Many of the Protestant reformers talk about the whole Bible holds Jesus for us. The whole Bible is about pointing us to Jesus, helping us know that. And if we don't have that lens that we read the Bible with a focus on Jesus through the the lens of Jesus, we could actually misunderstand what's going on. And I'm going to call out one of the theologies that pop up is the prosperity theology at its worst. We'll read the Old Testament and they'll read sections of it to say, if you do this, you will be successful and you will be abundant. And so what happens is people will go, I'm going to follow all these rules and I'm successful because I've done all these good things and God has blessed me and is pleased with me. And if you're not rich, if you're struggling, it's because you've been terrible, you haven't been good enough. That's a misreading of the Old Testament. And so it's important for us what Jesus does here with the disciples is reveal to them that suffering and death was critical for his mission. And it was in the Old Testament. And so he opened their minds to understand it. And likewise, the scriptures for us, if we're going to be a witness, an effective witness, we need to be engaged with the scriptures, engaged in reading the scriptures so we get to understand God's way of life, God's paradigm of love, God's approach to life. And then what Jesus does in today's reading, he points the disciples back to the death and resurrection and says it has a purpose for us. Jesus told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I want to give you a question. Something to reflect on, ponder on, not just now, but continually. How does your forgiveness of sins because of Jesus' death and resurrection affect how you see life? How does the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead affect how you look at life and how you see life? Now, as I was working on this sermon and reflecting and going through this reading, you know, that, that ending kept striking me. These disciples were joyful and they were praising God. They still had 
problems. They still had threat of death. They still had people who were picking on them. They still had people who call them heretics. They still had people who were putting them down. And in fact, the majority of people did not yet like Christianity. And yet they lived joyfully and they lived praising God. And it's because they were focused on the blessings God had given him through his death and his resurrection. And that is what we're called to be a witness to. We are called to be a witness, not because God's the, we talk about God being firstly a loving God. Yes, he is. Not because God gives us all these good gifts on earth, but we are called to be a witness as a church, as Christians, that God is about forgiveness. And he does that through his death and resurrection. And that this leads to a changed life. In verse 48, he says, you are witness of these things. You are witnesses of my death and resurrection and that forgiveness is critical, is central to my message. And so here's another question for you to think about. How does Jesus' forgive, forgiveness lead to your attitude, words and actions being different? How does the fact that Jesus forgives you because of all your sins lead to you having a different attitude, a different approach to life. One person once told me, they said they'd been a Christian for many years. They'd come to church that was part of their upbringing. They'd continued to come. they continued to be engaged. And they came to church seeking God's forgiveness, seeking a little bit of love, but they didn't actually think about what it meant for them as they lived on this earth. They actually saw it as a future ticket to heaven, was the word they used. But when they said this struck them, that it's, it is something that changes their attitude, they started to treat people differently. They started to look at people and they'd say, that person has done wrong against me. And in the past, they'd be going, this person needs to be punished. This person needs to be pulled into line. Things need to happen. I need justice, was the term. But when they fully comprehended God's grace and love for themselves, they started to realise that being a witness in God's life in this world is about showing grace to people who do wrong. It's about showing love to people. Now, that doesn't mean letting them get away with things, but I, I heard the term this week, is about showing them some authority that God has, but in a gracious way. And so I encourage you to think about how does Jesus' forgiveness lead to your attitude, words and actions being different? But Jesus doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just say to us, go and be my witnesses. He actually shows us that we need his help, that we need his constant assistance and power. In verse 49, he simply says in our reading today, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, what we know from our Acts reading, what we know in hindsight, because we have the advantage of what happened and we're going to celebrate it next week with Pentecost, is that that power on high is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when I read these passages, particularly today, it says, I'll stay and wait. As a pastor, I get frustrated. Because I hear and I think, oh, I know what's going to happen. Some people are going to go, oh, I've just got to wait for the Holy Spirit to come on me before I do anything. So I'm just going to come to church, sit in a pew, do nothing. 
Well, here's the good news for us. We've always been given the gift of the Holy Spirit already. It's already been given as a gift to the church as a whole and to us. You know, we celebrate that on Pentecost, but we also celebrate that like today in a baptism. We say that in baptism, God says to us, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the issue is for us, we need to constantly rely on that power. And unfortunately, some Christians at times treat God's power like this. They own a farm that's off the grid. They've got a generator out the back. They go to the farm. They sit in the house and they whinge and moan. They've got no power because they haven't turned on the generator and tapped it into the power that's there. So let us remember that we are witnesses, but we need to constantly be relying on and tapping into God's power, which is his spirit. And we do this in two simple, very practical ways. First of all, through his word, reading his word through the lens of Jesus, listening to what Jesus says and looking at how Jesus acts and treats people, engaging in God's word. That's why we have these daily Bible readings, which we encourage you to use. That's why, and I think we are blessed because of COVID, there are technology the advances, the, the resources that have been made available, particularly because of COVID, that have continued, have actually helped us. Our sermons are online in both... They continue to be online through our YouTube, but they also are online in a podcast. And people are engaging with those. And that's helping people engage with his word. But engaging with his word alone and individually is not what we've just called to do. We're also in called to be part of his community. We'll tap into his power, his Holy Spirit, through his community, his worshipping community. So coming together like this, God will be at work. Speaking to other Christians will help us gain God's power. Because the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, is not about anything weird. It's about having this power so we can be his witnesses, so we can know who God is, so we can know what his love looks like and how he approaches life. And that's the gift that God has given us. So we, being a witness is not a great hard thing. You're not called to be a witness. None of us are called to be a witness of the things we don't know. You know when I went through seminary, my biggest petrifica- I was petrified that I was going to be put on the spot and not know stuff. Right? But as I live in this world as a Christian, when somebody asked me a question I don't know, I said, oh, well, I don't know. We can, let's go and find it out together. Someone's probably done it. And then... It, Usually the person goes, let's Google it together and you can tell me whether the resource is any good or not. But I encourage you to keep in mind, you only need to be a witness of the things you know and have experienced about God to share that. And that means for some people a change of mindset. Because a change of mindset means instead of just coming to church so you can get God's love and forgiveness for yourself, it's a change of mindset so you come to church, you'll be part of the community to encourage and support each other, but also to be prepared to go in the world to help others know about this love that God has. I'm currently reading a book called um, The Anatomy of a Revived Church. And one of the things they say in there is about membership. And they, they're very encouraged about membership. Some, some new books on Christianity aren't, but they are. And they say this comment that they give this example, having a membership class that kind of points us to be witnesses are important. But importantly, that we are Christians, not for ourselves, but for others. That we are members of the body of Christ 
to serve not just ourselves but others. Yes, we need God's love and forgiveness. Yes, we need to be filled with his word. But we're also here to share it with each other and with the wider world. And part of this anatomy of a rise church highlighted that as part of their membership training, and it's not extensive, what they did was they focused on encouraging that. One example they gave the effect that had, they had a congregation of 20 people and they said that kind of the health of that congregation was very self-focused. Very much we're here for ourselves and that's it. Three years later after this training and people, that, that the whole atmosphere changed to we're actually here to serve others. And that, what they noticed is people would turn up to church more regularly, people would go and serve others, people would actually set changes easier in the church because they recognised it wasn't for themselves but for others. And that's the power of God's spirit working through the word and through the community. And so we are witnesses both individually and a community. When you hear this witness, sometimes, particularly in the Western world, like in Australia, we read the Bible as individuals. But can I encourage you to read it both as an individual, a a book written for you personally, but also a book written for us as a community. Did you notice at the end this? When Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed there continually at the temple praising God. The fact is, we are blessed. We are blessed in many ways. Jesus has blessed them and he's going back to heaven. They didn't see his return to heaven as a negative but rather as a positive, that something's going good going to happen. And so they lived joyfully as a group of, of people. One of the things that happens often as a pastor is I get a privilege of not just doing baptisms, but at the other end of life, involved in funerals. And I had one this week. And often a comment comes from people who, for some reason, go to a lot of funerals. You know, I don't know whether it's the free food or whether it's the, um, they're getting at that age. Now, one bloke said to me, oh, I'm, I'm probably every second week I'm going to a funeral because I'm at that age. But this one bloke in particular said to me, I like going to a Lutheran funeral. And I said, why? And he said, because you've always got hope and love. There's something there that's it's not just focused on how good a person was in the past, which is now gone, but you're focused on hope and you're focused on forgiveness of sins, but you're focused on this life that is to come. And he said, so it brings about some joy. And so that's what we're called to live, is to live this life of joy, that we have a future, and therefore we praise God. And we do this because the story continues. Because, And that's what the disciples recognise, that this is not the end, this is just a part of the journey, and there's something else to come. Right? There's something else to come, there's a story that's going to continue, and we have a future because of Jesus. And that's important for us to, to, to recognise as Christians because sometimes we can get bogged down in what's happening today. One of the other comments I heard this week from a couple of Christians, ah, oh, life is terrible, look what's happened, the election was disastrous, we've got all these heathens in Parliament, right? And they were miserable. And I went, mate, don't you read this part of the scripture, it says don't put your life in, you know, put your hope in an earthly king. Oh, Remember, what happens on this earth is only temporary anyway. We've got a future to look forward. And then, because as soon as they started looking future, you could see their attitude changed. 
It's like getting on a bus or a train. Someone challenged me a few years ago and said, um, Richard, when you get on the train, be joyful, smile and watch what happens. And so I did this and I was in Melbourne. Now, Melbourne's a miserable place in winter. You know, if, you complain about, if you complain about rain in Sydney at the moment, go to Melbourne. Right? It is gloomy. And so I get on the train and I start smiling. I had about a 45-minute trip from the city to the, my workplace. And I just smiled and I started to notice people would smile back at me. Right? Joy can be captivating. Now, if we are Christians right, with a joyful heart, people will start asking questions. And so what does all this mean for living the faith? First of all, as witnesses, we need to start at the start and immerse ourselves, be saturated by the fact that we have a life because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, which gives us forgiveness of sins. You know that time at the start of the service where we have a confession and I ask you to, to reflect and to think about your sins? Sometimes people get a bit burdened by that because the same sin keeps popping up that happened some years ago. Can I encourage you to think about that God forgives all your sins and if he gives that sin and that sin is forgiven, he's not going to hold that sin against you? That you have a future because of Jesus? Our lives are possible because of this death and resurrection which gives us forgiveness of sins. May that be something that affects who you are. Secondly, think about how forgiveness from Jesus leads you to a different way of life. Think about how, God, how much God loves you and forgives you affects how you see others. You know, one of the other stories I love is somebody said to me, when I, I used to look at others, which I mentioned earlier, and I'd see them as, oh, they're terrible, they, you know, they need to be pulled in a line and that. I then started to have God's grace for them. They said, I, I didn't have grace, I had God's grace for them because without God I couldn't have grace for them because I wanted to punch them. But what I did was show them love. So think about how forgiveness from Jesus leads to a different way of life. Maybe you might be more patient. Maybe you might ask the question, oh, maybe there's more to the story. Thirdly, keep connected to God's power through his word and the worshipping community. Keep connected with God's power through his word and the worshipping community. One of the sad things that's happened, particularly in Western Christianity, is people have thought they can become Christians or be Christians by not going to church. Which sounds a bit weird, but they've taken this attitude, they've they got annoyed with the church over something, whether the time we meet's not good enough, whether it's hard to get car parking, whether there's some people at church that are paying the neck. And they stop going to church and they say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian and I only need my Bible and be a Christian. My observation of that, what tends to happen is this, is a small percentage maintain the faith, but they actually go out of their way to connect with others. But what a large do is they slowly drift away from the faith and that, in fact, they often turn the faith into a legalistic thing of what they have to do and they become very quick to judge everybody else and say how bad everybody else is. And they are more holy than them. That's not the faith we're called to. We're called to be a people who recognise we're sinners, so is everybody else. God forgives us, loves us, and still wants us to be part of the community. So keep connected to God's power so you are equipped to be his witnesses. And fourth, live with our lives on the future with Jesus. Because that will help us live joyfully and praising God. 
Think about the future that God has. You know, one of my favourite passages is Revelation 21 where it talks about there's no more suffering, no more pain. And usually in an aged care facility, if I ever preach on that in an aged care facility, I say, oh, does anyone would like a life with no pain? Oh, yeah. Right? And they are looking forward to it. You know, one bloke said, yeah, because we're closer to it. But live with that fu- focus on the future. Because this, this world's got sin in it and it's not always easy, is it? There's problems, there's stuff that goes wrong, even when we do the right thing. And lastly, be a witness individually in your own personal life. Think about how tomorrow you can be a witness to the people you're going to meet so they can get to get a touch, get a smell, get a a scent of Jesus' love, grace and forgiveness. But also think about what it means for us to be a community, to be a witness in this place, to be a witness to the people around this area or to the world. Now, we have a challenge, particularly as this church here, because we're in the city and out, we have people from all over the place come. Right? We have people internationally, but also, also all over Sydney. I was talking to someone recently explaining this, is that we have a pocket in Sydney where there is no Lutheran church and we have a, a reasonable number of people come from that area. And finally, I want to leave you with this thought. If you call yourself a Christian, you're already a witness of Jesus. But think about what type of witness. What type of witness? When people interact with you, what do they discover about Jesus? What's their opinion of Jesus? And then ask the question, am I and are we being a witness that I and we need his forgiveness and grace? Do people recognise that we are humble enough to recognise that we stuff up and we need God's love and forgiveness? May you know that God is with you always. May you know that God continues to encourage you in your life. That he'll never desert you. He wants to constantly love you. That he forgives all your sins. But may you also live in a way that help others discover and sense this. Help others be connected to Jesus so they too live with with the surety of a hope of the future. Go in his peace and go with his love. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love and grace you have for all of us. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us through your word and through your community so that we, we know this love and grace. Help us in our journey of faith so we can not just receive it for ourselves but be your people who share it generously. Be people who focused on helping others to discover and meet this love and grace. And loving Father, I pray for each person here as they go away from this place today, that they go away with your love and grace, knowing they are loved by you, but also thinking how they can share and reflect that love in the world that they live. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.